Oh, welcome back to the Good Book Boys podcast. I'm Good Book Boy number one, Josh Underhill, and this is... This is uh, Good Book Boy number two, Alex, and we are here serving up another round of freshly baked literary goods for your audible pleasure. And we're still doing it from our respective homes. A couple mm-hmm. of weeks on and not much has changed, but that's fine. Uh, books plenty can... of times to read books. Yes, exactly. You know, it's this this whole thing has been great for my for my Goodreads 2020 reading challenge. So, you know, you've got to focus on the positives. Absolutely. Um, I've seen I've seen all your notifications coming through. What feels like daily. Um have well, you got almost gone through all of Ian Fleming's back catalogue? Um, I, is that a euphemism, Josh? <laughs> um, no, I, I was halfway, th- I had read half of the James Bond novels, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to go back and, and read them all again, sort of take a bit of a closer look and see how they develop. He, um, he doesn't care much for women, I've found. Yes, I guess. But nor do was, I, so I, I, I love it. Have you enjoyed any of them yet? Just, you just know, taking a quick tangent away from our current uh, our book we're going to talk about today. No, but. that's like it's it, it's it's book related. Look, I love the James Bond movies, so it's like it's 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 like research for me. It's like working out the points of difference between the movies and the books. The movies, which yeah. I love, and like yeah, getting the source source of um source of those. But um, on some on even more tenuously related book news, you did recommend um that we well, didn't recommend you showed me the ad you got for the uh, the, the Tintin puzzle game advertised I did, on yes. and I replied that I they already had it um I'm 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 bloody I'm I'm hooked on on t- whatever it's called Tintin match it's essentially a candy crush clone but the more you um the more you complete you get to like recreate um like dioramas from Tintin so uh, okay um, so yeah, there is enjoying... there is some sort of Tintin you know, relevance cuz the actual it, game it, itself yeah, it has it, nothing it, to it, do with that's exactly it, it's like akin to like a a a tin tin um, puzzle, like the actual act of putting the puzzle together, has little to do with the tin tin franchise, but the complete picture does. Pushes it pushes through uh, more story bits from Tintin once you do each puzzle. Exactly, exactly. It is officially well, licensed, right? so it's 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 all right. So you know, Tintinologists, Tintin heads out there, I I you know I I, I recommend it. But we're not talking about nice. Tintin today, are we, um, Josh? We we are not. Although I do hope at some point we do, because we both share a mutual love for that um, little ragtags reporter and his lovable dog. But no, today we're talking about Ian McEwan's book, Atonement. Mm, Josh, this was a pick from you. Why, yes. why Atonement? This was a pick from me. It um, purely was um, out of necessity. It's been sitting on my shelf for a long time. It's my wife's, or oh, one of my wife's favorite books, and she's been mm. telling me to read it for years now. And mm. I kept putting it off because of the cover of my book, to be perfectly honest, is now you've like got one the, of the, the movie the 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 based on yeah, the yeah I've got the motion it. picture copy of the book and it's got mm. um, Kira Knightley and the other James McAvoy I believe James McAvoy's faces on it and I don't know it just it just looks like a dumb romance movie yes had um, had you seen the movie I hadn't I hadn't no I hadn't no um, so. I, I just put it off because that's what I assumed it was, and that was 100% my bad on um, judging a book by its cover. But um, uh, Steph wore me down and convinced me that I should read it, and so in doing so, I thought, let's chuck it on the podcast as well because it was written within the last decade 
or so. 2001, so, I want to say. So last two decades, but you know what? Every, every, everything since 9-11 has just been like a three-year period in my mind, so we're yeah, good. Exactly. Um, so that's what we're going to discuss today. Alex, what did you think of it? And maybe also, mm-hmm. what is the uh, broad plot structure? Well, I'll give you the b- broad plot structure, first of all. It follows um, this young girl called uh, Bryony. Is that how you pronounce it? Bryony? Yeah, that's that's how I um, said it in my head. Bryony. Yes, yep. and, you know, it's it's quite, it's quite oddly um, structured. So the first section is all just set on this one very hot English summer day in the English countryside among, in this wealthy family and follows the the sort of the lives, you know, changes perspectives, each chapter between Bryony, her older sister, Celia, and um, the sort of the uh, semi-adopted sort of um, handyman, I guess, yeah. Rob, Robbie. Um, and and that's that's all in the, that, that first section, which is maybe, you know, one third of the book is all just one day, one like 24 hour period. Yep. And then it cuts to, you know, um, the Second World War. Yep. Some, uh, Which I think is about five years after the about first About that, part. about that. And then there's a very sort of short um, epilogue at the end set in 1999, which follows Bryony again. Um, what did you make of this this unorthodox structure? Yeah, I wasn't expecting it. Um, I liked the way it was paced in the sense that the single day story yes. took up one third of the book. And then we moved forward that that five years and had a lot happen yes, in that yes. second section. And then it just was propulsed forward mm. into the the distant future, mm. um, in the, from the perspective of the, of that first day. Um, so I, I like the structure. I thought it was um, it was paced interestingly, and it mixed up the normal idea of a of a story going over a certain block set of time whether that be a day or a week or a year so from a from a pacing and, and kind of plot structure pers- perspective I, I quite enjoyed it um yeah you know i've gone on the record here saying i i like i don't like my my story to stay still for very long i like yeah. it to to keep going forward i like it always to be motivated by action which is not what this this first section this first third of the book is about but i loved it i loved the fact that so much happens in this one day, um, you know, this one almost, you know, fairly typical day in many ways. And so much happens in it. So many events are crammed into it and it all leads up to this really, really, um, you know, dramatic climax in this, this first act of the novel. And it, all the pieces are just put in there so well, you understand by the time this, you know, um, all, all I knew, you know, I knew this was a famous film and it was a famous novel before it was a film um but all all we've got on the on the blurb to give it away is um on the hottest day of the summer of 1935 13 year old bryony tallis sees her sister celia strip off her clothes and plunge into the fountain in the garden of their country house watching her too is robbie turner who like celia has recently come down from cambridge by the end of that day the lives of all three will have been changed forever as bryony commits a crime for which she will spend the rest of her life trying to atone so i'm like i know something is going to happen here i yeah. know it's i know it's building up and i thought it was so so well paced this first section where all the pieces just slowly 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 come into place over yep, just definitely. one day and then and then by the time it happens you're like ah this this, this all makes sense yeah so and I, then the I, rest I, of the novel just pivots on that those pieces coming together at the climax yes. of that first section yes and that yeah sets sets well it changes everything for, for all the characters 
Yeah, but definitely briny. Um, yeah, so I quite really enjoyed that 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 sort of. I thought I thought that was probably the strongest part was that first section. Um, not that I disliked I'm, the rest. I'm going to agree with you. Um, yeah. My I I my favorite part of this entire book was mm. chapter two, yeah. and then uh, one of the chapters towards the end of part one. But chapter yep. two really kind of blew me away. And that was so. In chapter one, you get kind of Bryony's perspective, and it sets up the um, setting of yep. this first part. And then the second chapter is from Cecilia's um, perspective. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was so beautifully written and just mm. really, and, and to a certain extent, I'm kind of sad that the rest of the book isn't like this chapter. Um, In what just, way? What, what, what did you like about it? I just, I just liked the warm trundling setting of, mm familiar people interacting in English countryside setting yeah, um, and just the way that it was all described. Um, I could have quite happily had this book, ha- had this chapter multiplied over the rest of this book yeah, and had yeah, it be yeah. more like a, almost a, a Jane Eyre type. Yeah, uh, I get novel. what you mean. Sort of, especially with that, that very English country setting. Yeah. Um, I, I actually helps. just want to read this last page of this chapter and it kind Please. of gives you an idea of, of um, one of the one of the key moments that helps build towards the crescendo in this first yep. part. Yeah. Um, and this is coming in where uh, Robbie and Cecilia uh, um, have had a bit of a interaction. They've broken yep. a vase. Oh yes. Um, which is which is an important plot point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, I'll just kick off here. She kicked off her sandals, unbuttoned her blouse, and removed it. Unfastened her skirt and stepped out of it and went to the basin wall. He stood with his hands on his hips and stared as she climbed into the water in her underwear. Denying his help, any possibility of making amends, was his punishment. The unexpectedly freezing water that caused her to gasp was his punishment. She held her breath and sank, leaving her hair fanned out across the surface. Drowning herself would be his punishment. When she emerged a few seconds later with a piece of pottery in each hand, he knew better than to offer to help her out of the water. The frail white nymph, from whom water cascaded far more successfully than it did from the beefy triton, carefully placed the pieces by the vase. She dressed quickly, turning her wet arms with difficulty through her silk sleeves and tucking the unfastened blouse into the skirt. She picked up her sandals and thrust them under her arm, put the fragments in the pocket of her skirt and took up the vase. Her movements were savage, and she would not meet his eye. He did not exist. He was banished, and this was also his punishment. He stood there dumbly as she walked away from him barefoot across the lawn, and he watched her darkened hair swing heavily across her shoulders, drenching her blouse. Then he turned and looked into the water in case there was a piece she had missed. It was difficult to see because the roiling surface had yet to recover its tranquility, and the turbulence was driven by the lingering spirit of her fury. He put his hand flat upon the surface as though to quell it. She, meanwhile, had disappeared into the house. That ending to that chapter... Just mm. put goosebumps on me when I when I read it for the first time and was yeah. I was just like that is a really masterfully crafted, you know. Chapter. And that's that's the thing. So many times I would just you know, um, uh, they had a lot of sort of sections like that in. Um, I'm thinking back to books we've read in like The Porpoise and um, Less had a lot of those moments as well. <laughs> Uh, that just bored me that I'm just like, okay, so, you know, instead of, instead of having that scene there, you know, just right. She collected the pieces, 
from the fountain and stormed back to the house, refusing to look at him, you know, not going into a lot of detail, but he's so, I, 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 I really enjoyed, you know, all of that first section of that, that chapter included because he, he's so good at capturing the different perspectives of the characters. Yes. And you think, well, that's, you know, that's easy. You're just writing from a different perspective, but you, you get such a complete understanding of the way each character sees, you know, the same events or, you know, sees what they're going through. Um, that I, I think was, was a great strength of, of, of Ian McEwan's in this was, was how he puts you in the position of, of each character. It's masterfully done, as you said. Yeah, definitely. How did you feel about the, um, the World War II segment? Um, look, I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as well. Yeah, as we said, it moves it moves considerably faster than than the first third, which is all over the course of one day. Yeah, um, but I, I did enjoy it. I don't know. Um, it, it reminded was... me a lot of it. it, it and, and I'm convinced that, I mean, when you're writing a war section, you have mm. to have influence from Ernest Hemingway. But mm. it reminded me a lot for, of, of his novel Farewell to Arms. Yes, um, yes. Robbie... Robbie in as a as a soldier had a very similar internal vibe as the main character in that Ernest Hemingway um, novel, which was interesting to draw that parallel. Yeah, and I mean it's it's something obviously very difficult to write. You know how many you know being in war full stop. How many people can can capture that experience? But um, just the way in that section there, you know, obviously there's there's things like fear you know of, of, yeah. of being killed or like like horror at seeing like someone wounded but just the way he captured just like the minor tensions of of you know it's said during the the british retreat to uh dunkirk and the eventual yeah. evacuation there just the the mundaneness of of that and and just these sort of tense little interactions with people around them um such such a huge variety of emotions that you'd feel in that that, that you don't automatically come to mind when you think about what well, you think about you know the, obviously the really scary things the really terrible things um but yeah captured such a a, a range of, of the protagonist emotions there i thought yeah mo- moments like moments like where um they stay in a french person's village yes uh, or like a little um what's the big uh, barn barn we'll barn. say barn <laughs> yes, um, yes and and the the sun's come in and there's that yep. little tense moment where they think that they're going to have to fight each other. They've got shotgun or what they think is shotguns. And it turns yep. out to be um, baskets full of cheese and wine and, and stuff. Yeah. Interesting yeah. moments like that, which you, you wouldn't think of when you think of the, no. the tense moments in war, which no. I thought was or Yeah. Or, or him, you know, describing how, I think there's one scene where it, it, in that, in that same, that same section of the book is talking about how, you know, it's possible to sleep while you're you're standing up like you know you've yeah. been walking so long your body just does it automatically and then your mind starts to like slip and you yeah. suddenly wake up and find yourself you're still walking i know I, I thought that was you know not a lot of and no, again it was just it was just um sort of those aspects of of such a traumatic experience that that you probably wouldn't initially have thought of um and then we get it sh- shifts to Bryony's um perspective again working as a nurse um similar sort of you know, very traumatic things that she's seeing and sort of how an ordinary person um, experiences those. Did you enjoy that chapter? Yeah, I thought, I thought, I thought it was, it was, it was good to have the, um, see both sides. So see the, see the war from the soldier's perspective and then see it from the civilian 
nurse home side of um, yeah side of things and yeah obviously it propelled the story forward um where we've gone forward five years brian is no longer a, a small child um and we're interested to see how she's dealing with what she did to Robbie yeah, those five turning, years earlier for that crime that that yeah. that we all saw that we all saw happen earlier. Um, yeah, it was certainly interesting seeing how. I mean, Bryony is sort of is is the main focus of of the novel, I'd say, and sort of seeing how her character develops up until um, the epilogue, which is set in 1999, where she's an old lady and a successful novelist, um, which reveals quite a a bit of a sh- shocking twist i'd say in the very last section it does um i was not expecting that nor was i um, at all and on on the one hand i feel sort of cheated it's mm-hmm. it, it it straddles the line of being the and then i woke up and it was a dream type like a twist type. for the sake of a twist yeah a little bit um but i think Ian McEwan has done it masterfully enough that um, that I'll allow it. <laughs> I'll allow yeah, it as an inclusion you'll, you'll to the novel because um, it because there is this sort of this parallel theme of of um, writing about you know about um, writing yes, itself Bryony through the character of Bryony when she's a small child is writing sm- short stories and yeah. tries to write a playwright. Um, yeah. And then, and I'm, yeah, as a, a successful novelist, and I'm sure there is some sort of you can look into the events of her life and how they may be reflected in her choice of medium from like from play, which she starts with, to novels, to and then she starts talking about postmodernist novels. That was sort of I'm sure there's a lot more there that that can be dug into. There's there's a whole commentary about about writing itself in the book. Yeah. Um, but it was probably a bit beyond my grasp. Yeah, no, I'll agree with that as well. Um, yeah. And the reason I said before that it felt a little bit cheating or that, yeah. like I was cheated is that it then brings into question a lot of the things that happen in that middle section of the book. Yes, yes. Um, or even even from the start, it, it brings into question how much of it is is factual yes. within 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 the frame of the narrative and within the actual, yes within, within the, the universe of the we, book yeah, yes yeah and how um, much of it is just there for the sake of being a story yeah and that's that's what i found so interesting that at the that it's it's you know this it's this concept of the unreliable narrator but like yes literally she is an unreliable narrator because she is narrating the events of these books yeah of 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 this of you know what's happened so i i I totally know what you mean it's um yeah um interesting to think about that that you know as the reader you're obviously you know this didn't really happen this is a novel but you're thinking okay but within the universe of the novel this is all real and then the twist order reveals at the end well how much of it really is i know yeah um yeah definitely which is again a part of that bigger commentary on writing you know um what responsibility do writers have to capture the truth you know how much can they correctly capture someone else's perspective is all of history personal and you know geopolitical just the result of someone's perspective and then putting their 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 beliefs and what they think should be in there in there you know there's there's a lot more questions that rise from that yeah definitely 
on the whole, if you don't think about it too much, <laughs> you you'll be okay with it. You'll be yeah, you'll be okay, and especially too because there's a few there's a few things um, like what happens to Robbie that if you think about too much is a little bit unbelievable um, in the sense that uh, everyone just takes the word of this small child and doesn't do any what seems like real police work. Um, yeah, and, yeah, you know things like that. That if you if you actually think about for a bit too long, then Things it's do unravel us a small it, bit. Yeah. Um, you know, books aren't written to be necessarily taken apart like that. Um, yeah, and- you know, I wonder how differently we'd understand the book if it ended after Bryony's um, yeah, without the epilogue. nursing section, without the epilogue. I wonder how that would change our perspective to just have it as this sort of complete just story, you know, with, without any of this second guessing that the, the author deliberately wants you to, to bring into it. Um, I wonder if that would just be, you know, if it would be as as highly regarded, you know, if that's. I mean, I don't. I don't, I, I do wonder how the, how the film would tackle something like that. Yes, me too. I, I'm I'm curious to possibly put it on at some point and see how yeah. they interpreted this the meta narrative. What they did with they it. just treated it like a regular narrative. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if they treated it like possibly Titanic. You know how at the start, like the whole movie is is essentially that old lady. Yeah, is the old lady talking about her experience there? Mm, 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 I wonder mm. if it's like the flip of that, where we kind of pull out of the story to and yeah, Bryony the novelist. At yeah, the end. yeah, yeah. That actually, that, 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 that sort of that sort of works out. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you enjoyed the book. I did. I, I did. I struggled with a few sections of it just purely out of my own uh, uh, difficulties with uh, cringe moments in the sense that I don't like it when things happen to characters that shouldn't be happening to them, you know, um, as in it's just, it, it hurts me to read. But um, like that, but as in cringe, because that's what the author wants, the author wants you to feel that injustice. Is that what you yes. mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. So I, I found that difficult, not, not through any fault of the book, just that's but my, because like, the book I, does, I have it, it, does its job so does well. Its show, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so, but yeah, on the whole, I, I quite enjoyed. I quite enjoyed the novel. Um, I'm I'm sad for Cecilia and Robbie. Uh, yes. Um, I'm sometimes I just try and forget that the that the epilogue happened. But <laughs> well, hey, remember that you know, Bryony herself didn't exist because she's just a creation of Ian McEwan. So, and exactly. you know, who knows? Who knows if Ian McEwan is a real person, or we are all just characters in a larger author's story. Oh. Um. See, yeah, that's how far you can go with it. Um, but I enjoyed, it. I enjoyed it. Too. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, would have been. I I was aware of of the book mostly through the movie, which I haven't seen. But I thought, yeah, sort of just like romance, like war story, like yeah, like pretty pretty standard. But I'm really really glad I I read it. Um, if it was a as it will be on you know on on Goodreads, it will be a. Uh, I would give it a three point five, but that will be rounded up to a four. So that is that is yeah, a pretty good. Uh, score. I think I'd I agree with that. I, yeah. I'll give it a four as well. Good, good, good. Well, are you excited to hear what book we've got for next episode of Good Book Boys? I am. I haven't been pre warned about it at all. I'm very no, excited. I haven't. We will be reading Nick Hornby's High Fidelity. Ooh, Nick. Are Hornby. you? Why does that ring a bell? He. Did write. He's written a lot of um, sort of the same sort of theme of books. But are you familiar with the movie or the book about a boy? 
Yes, yes, I am. He wrote the book. Ah, um, yeah, so okay. I'm expecting something similar from High Fidelity, which is similar vibes. But well, hey, look, we'll we'll read it and then we'll uh, reconvene. I'm very excited to do this. Fantastic. Well, as always, we should uh, point out what we're doing um, outside of this podcast. Alex, what yes. have you got going on? Oh, just plenty of uh, plenty of books, plenty of good books, plenty of not so good books. Um, you know, trying to um, uh, yeah, making my way through both the James Bond series and the and the Tintin series um, in chronological order, seeing how both characters develop. Not that I'm comparing them in any way. Uh, it's just so happens. I, I really enjoy um, I really enjoy long running series. Uh, featuring the same yeah. character because I like seeing how it changes over time and how the author like deals with the same characters in in different ways and I, I really enjoy. Out of curiosity, how long was yeah. what over what period was Tintin produced? Tintin was get this like 1920 to I think last one like 1976. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I really huge. need to. I really need to look at everything that's been done in that realm and see what I'm missing in terms of what I haven't read. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's uh, I yeah I really enjoy seeing, you know, the different influences at play. For example, you know, during during this is just an example during World War Two because uh, Belgium was occupied by the Nazis, the Tintin stories became apolitical. So they 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 were no longer about like anything to do with politics or like invasions or like armies or anything. They were all about yeah. like that's when you get like Red Rackham's treasure and Secret of the Unicorn. You know, like treasure hunting and like things away from the realm of 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 politics so to so he could avoid like getting in trouble with, with yeah definitely so, so just so interesting things like that seeing how it changes yeah um and you can follow this uh this hot mess of a book reader at uh oh god am i underscore latte ritual or latte ritual i think underscore? the underscores at the end Thank you, Josh, for remembering my Instagram handle that I'm trying to plug. Yes, latte richer underscore l a t t e r a t u r e underscore. Josh, what are you up to? What are you reading? What are you listening to? Where can we find you? Uh, well, I uh, I'm reading a so I, a long time ago, a mutual friend of ours, Jason, gave us oh, yes. uh, gave me a, a giant stack of um, secondhand books, and they sit on my shelf uh, in various uh, alphabetical order and there's still a lot of them that I haven't gotten to. So I just happened to pick up one called The Chrysalids by John Wyndham. Oh, Winden. yes. A cla- Look, I, again, haven't read it. Meaning to a classic, Do, I believe, British can sci-fi. You, can you, yeah. Do you know any background? I know nothing about it. I just know that Jason gave it to me. It has a sci-fi as the as the uh, this is genre and I thought I need I'll, I'll have a sci-fi break I've, I've got no idea about its acclaim or anything to do with it do I you? think it's something to do with like children born after like a apocalypse and they've got like psychic powers yeah okay um, I'm, a couple of, I'm a couple of chapters in and I'm enjoying it so far so I'm, I'm keen okay. to yeah. to finish that up um, and in terms of listening, obviously I've got my my jazz Instagram at Hot Cover Jazz. I have not put anything on it this year at all. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. I I had a baby, and that has kind of chewed up a lot of my free time and also my energies. It it's pretty. It's I've heard lot, it can be quite quite tiring. It's it's hard to. There's a lot of equipment to get out, and you got to do, and you got to edit it, and you know it's a lot of effort. But I'm still listening to like so much jazz, um, and not really having an outlet for it at the moment is kind of frustrating. But um, follow me at at Hot Cup of Jazz. Uh, I've got some historical recommendations there over the last 
two or three years and uh, you can shoot me a message if you want anything current and I'll try and get back to releasing a little one minute recommendations uh, in the near future I hope in the meantime this has been good book boy number two Alex and this has been good book boy number one Josh reminding you that all books are good books until they're bad books thanks for listening have a good one bye